Hello and welcome to the Rivertown StoryCorps, a podcast about the people making a difference in the Rivertown communities of Westchester, New York. I'm your host, Timothy Reuter. Today, we are pleased to have with us Dr. Cassandra Sweet, chair of the Hastings Democratic Committee, in addition to being a researcher, lecturer, and international consultant. Dr. Sweet, I'm excited to talk local politics with you. Welcome to the show. Such a pleasure to be here, and thank you for you know, bringing forward a conversation that I think is so valuable, is, is reaching out to the voices in the local community and, and asking them what they're hearing, what they're feeling. It's been great to, to listen to your, your work over the last couple months here. Well, thank you for that. Let's start with the Hastings Democratic Committee. Many of us have some familiarity with what the party does on a national and, and perhaps state level, but what does the Hastings Democratic Party do? So I guess uh, the best way to start this off is sort of explain my role in the committee. Mm -hmm. And I would say like our whole, our whole, our whole political structure, let's just back yeah. up and see what let's we are. It. What, what is a political party? You know, I mean, if you ask what the committee is, it's, it, it is, it is a bigger question of how do we in a democracy mm -hmm. exercise ourselves? So what are the actions that we're taking every day? Like, I want my heart to be strong. So every day I wake up at 5.30 in the morning, I go, I do a weights class, I lift, I lift weight for my heart. If I'm in a political system mm -hmm. and it's a democracy and I value that structure, what am I doing in that structure every day to build that muscle, my civics contribution? Political parties in our country, I think a lot of us who have especially been raised in the 80s and the 90s and there's a disillusionment at this time with what it says to, what is it to, to be a yes. political, as if it were sort of like corrupted, sort of like, ew, gross, oh, sorry, um, sort of disgusting. What is it? A committee is just the muscle of a political party. Its responsibility is for the volunteers, the people who say, I'm a Democrat. Overall, these are the values that I'm aligned with. What am I going to do to try to shape and strengthen my party? So here in Hastings, there are eight uh, districts, electoral districts. They're established mm -hmm. by the Board of Elections. And in each of those, there are two district leaders. Mm -hmm. So there's 16 people who uh, really aim to kind of cover the village of 8,000 people that we have um, in a, the most complete way possible, you know, to reach out to. Um, and by reaching out, that is going to collect petitions Mm -hmm. for those folks who want to run as Democrats. So in New York, if you want to run for office as a Democrat, then you need to get 5% of elected registered, I mean, of registered Democratic voters to sign a petition saying, mm -hmm. you know, I'd like to see your name on the ballot. Um, and so what political committees do, what the Democratic Committee does in Hastings and Babs and Irvington and Terrytown mm -hmm. and Ardsley and all these river towns is they have monthly meetings and they have their proceedings where all of the people who try to represent these districts get together, meet with political leaders, pressure them, discuss really relevant policy choices that the leaders are facing from the village all the way to the congressional level. So your local Democratic committee is probably meeting with political leaders. That is our case in Hastings. Mm -hmm. I invite and we bring in our representatives from Jamal Bowman, 
mm-hmm. you know, at the congressional level. Then we have, you know, uh, obviously Chuck Schumer has not come through yet, but, you know, doors open. Mm-hmm. Um, Kirsten Gillibrand has come through the area. So there's your, you know, you've got your big ones there and then you've got your state level. So, you know, you've got your Andrea Stewart cousins, You've mm-hmm. got your Mary Jane Shimsky, who I know you've spoken to, mm-hmm. um, who brings her, you know, deep study of history to her political yes. representation. Um, and then the county, you've got David Imamora, right, in the county legislature. Um, and then obviously you come down to our village trustees, our mayor, and then all of the judicial representatives, and then other kind of positions like the district attorney of Westchester. So I've spoken too much, but all of these representatives come forward, bring their ideas. The structure of a political party is to receive the leaders who want to represent it. Mm-hmm. And um, Although you, you also, my say. understanding is do some vetting. So of people who want to be future leaders. Um, and what is the, the process for that? You know, let's say I, I think, you know, I'm the right person and, and, you know, maybe even going up against an incumbent, right? So there's people who want to challenge our our local mayor how does the party handle those kinds of internal uh, so it's not some vetting it's a ton of vetting i mean it's it's a constant vetting it's a constant conversation about who we are and what who we want to represent us in the party so we're constantly those folks who are are our district leaders Mm -hmm. we go through and there's primaries right so the primaries in june Mm -hmm. So that's a really important thing for people to understand the political system. Primaries in June. Right. General election is November. So this happens right. every year. There's a ton of different races. The process for that, let's say you want to run for mayor. Mm-hmm. As you said, we send out a letter. Um, we blast the community, we put it on our Facebook, we put it on our webpage, mm-hmm. we write a letter to the enterprise. You know, since I've become chair, we do everything we possibly can. That's mm-hmm. all we can do. If you're interested in party politics, follow your political committee. We tell you, hey, guys, these are the positions that are coming up. If people have declared, you know, they've declared. If it's an empty seat, it's an empty seat. Either way, they send their information to the committee. We distribute it to all of the district leaders and captains who are folks who are really involved but are not voting, don't have that voting right for the endorsement, Mm -hmm. which is the center responsibility of the political committee. You know, they all come forward. Last meeting, we met two district attorney candidates. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. This upcoming meeting, we're going to meet two more district attorney candidates. All 16 district leaders are going to look at those district attorney for the county of Westchester, which is fundamentally important to the way justice is executed for everyone, for the center core of our lives, the safety of your child, the equity in the justice that we administrate. Mm -hmm. The highest of the high importance, you know, everyone gets emotional, gets distracted, but what are the core responsibilities of government? And we are going to sit down and have a conversation among 16 people with very diverse views about out of those four candidates, who is a candidate that we would want to endorse if we're going to make an endorsement. And so do you, so you run a process and then you personally get one vote as, or how, how do then, I mean, especially if somebody's running against an incumbent. How does the internal process work to figure so, out? So, I mean, again, every chair has their own process and system. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't speak to, like, how Dobbs does it or how Irvington does it or mm-hmm. Terrytown does it. You know, I feel really grateful that um, Hastings is uh, a village that is brimming with capable and 
just ethical and moral and resoundingly interesting people. I mean, and more it is, Nobel prizes per capita than any other place in the country, I think. I mean, it's, but it's in every way. I mean, you don't even need the acknowledgement. I mean, on the committee, I think there's seven lawyers. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm frequently managing conversation between seven lawyers. So, you know, give it, you do that. You know, <laughs> you do that No, thank um, for you. half an hour, you know, do it for three hours over controversial issue, controversial issue, controversial mm -hmm. issue. These are the deep issues of our time. Uh, the sanctity of human life, of our freedom, of of how we want to live with one another. So I, I have so much respect for so many people in this village. I I'm in awe, and I I it's my humble job to try to call Democrats together mm -hmm. and say this is the process, this is how to engage. Um, let's follow some rules for each other and be fair to each other. If you're interested in running for village office, you just send in your letter and your CV. We meet every single within your incumbent or a new challenger. Mm -hmm. It's all the same. Bring the strength and power of your ideas to the people. Tell people mm -hmm. who you are, what you're running for, what you believe in. Don't write some Facebook post. Don't get incensed because you heard some rumor. Don't yes. tear up people who have the bravery to stand up just because you're angry. If you have a belief... Run for office, do something productive, organize with other people, you know, build good things with other people and try to listen. And when we have these conversations, they're really intense. Obviously, the village stuff is what a lot of people, you know, the village stuff is what we're around. So it's what mm -hmm. a lot of people will be like, oh, what's the, you know, village and village is a very important part of the work of the committee. But the whole picture is a very important part of the committee, too. The county level is so important. And then whatever is going to happen in New York State now is critical. And then obviously, you know, Iowa just happened and, and Donald Trump is going to, is going to, you know, he's the presumptive nominee basically at this point. And we really have to be honest with each other about what that means for having Donald Trump be president again. Um, for those of us who work on progressive issues and for those of us who believe in a, in a fair and free and open society, because I, I that is a risk. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So my understanding of Hastings politics is that our village is overwhelmingly democratic. Um, is that correct? And if so, how does political competition and accountability work in a context where one party largely controls things? Um, well, I don't know if you read at all about my past, but I grew up in downtown Atlanta, Georgia. Mm -hmm. um, it was a blue island in a in a red sea. Right. Um, and I, I'm proud to say I grew up being uh, a Democrat when, you know, we just went in and we just lost race after race after race after race after race. Yeah. You know, just trying to convince people to run these really difficult political situations. And I think if you are in any city in America or any place that you know, is, is larger, you're, you're involved in some pretty serious political races that are, that are nasty and that are difficult. I think that's one way to put it. And I think here in Hastings, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's highly democratic. I, mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what the registrations are at this point. Um, I'd have to look at them to see. Um, I think for me, the something that I worked very hard on was to collect names for petitions to get on the ballot, the choice to move our elections. Mm -hmm. um, that was a bit of a political revolution here. And there were several of 
folks of us who were involved in that. And that one 88% of all voters believed that we should have elections in line with the general elections before that we Mm -hmm. had village elections in March. So I didn't think that was a system that allowed for real competition because you need to encourage voter participation. You need to maximize voter come out. You can't ask voters to come out for a school bond vote, for a school board vote, for a local village vote, for a general primary vote for, I mean, you could have years where you have people trying trying to get them to come out to vote five times. Right. So there's the conceptual and there's the tangible. And I am, I'm hugely pro competition. Um, and obviously it's, you know, I think it'd be easier for Democrats, obviously, if after a primary, you can shift into fighting a common enemy mode, you know, that's a different psychological standpoint. And here we have a primary and that's pretty much determinative. Um, right. But it would be great if people want to run a Republican. It'd be great if people want to run as independents. It'd be great. I mean, I'm. I don't think you'd find anyone who'd say that uh, I'm anything but someone who really encourages real, true debate, open ideas. Um, I think it's good for the party. I think it's good for the democracy. And you know, may the best idea win. How politically engaged do you find people in Hastings to be, you know, especially around local issues? Are most people following local politics? Um, I mean, for, look, first of all, I'll just say this, you know, I'm a mom. Um, mm-hmm. I work. Uh, everyone I know is working very hard right now. And mm-hmm. I think that um, we are all overstimulated, tired, (laughs) holding on with our fingernails, just working hard. I'm hearing women, friends that say that they are exhausted. They've been through so many tragedies. The world is at war. Um, It is a scary time. And it's a, it's been, I think it's, it's, I think any political conversation has to start with like, how is the family in Hastings, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, underinsured, <laughs> overleveraged, um, uh, overcaffeinated. Um, <laughs> so I, engagement, you say, what does engagement look like? Sometimes people are get really mad about an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's just a, it's just a release. you know, it's just they just get really mad about an issue. And I think with every issue, we always like take a deep breath and say, if I feel this charged about this issue, what am I willing to do? to organize around this issue, for me to learn more about where this issue is situated, who the decision makers are, how to exercise influence, you know, in that area and say, and I'm saying that all the way down from like, here's a street corner where I'm super mad um, that there's a stop sign that I want. And then what can I do to make that stop sign happen? Right. Let's break it apart into little pieces Let's look around us and find those moments, those chances that you want to give love to the world around you. Mm-hmm. And you want to take a deep breath and say, I'm going to stop because it's non-productive for me to just emotionally react online and charge everyone else up and charge myself up and say, I'm going to take a minute. I'm going to look at other people in the eye. I'm going to say this corner, I'm going to plant it with wildflowers with my children. Right. These people, I'm going to study this book together with them. I'm going to slow my own life down. I'm going to talk to other people. And I'm going to say, this is politics, actually. 
this is politics. Finding, going to a dinner party, finding someone there who has a completely different view than you in politics and having the calmness and the sense of, of love for them to say, please tell me more about your perspective. I really want to understand yeah. you. You know, th this is the the second time in you know about fifteen minutes that you've mentioned or alluded to a pretty toxic online discourse. Yeah, and I guess is, is that something that you've seen change over time? You know, getting worse, or is that sort of that's always been there in one shape, or at least you know for the past fifteen years that. I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm yep. old, but I'm not that old. But I'm old. <laughs> you know, I'm middle aged, man. You know, I'm just middle aged. You can't Listen, tell me what it was like during the Civil War. Exactly. No, I can. Uh, it's a fascinating period. It's actually Reconstruction. Civil War is one of my favorites uh, in American history. Um, but. Listen, I'm struck in this moment. I mean, you know, my upbringing um, is kind of post-civil rights Atlanta, and that mm -hmm. was a lot of community organizing. And I, I believe in community organizing. I mean, I, mm -hmm. you have to take the time to look at other people in the face and do the work. And you're never going to be good. You're always going to have more work to do. And that's just a principle, and that's fine. I think that the, the, we're talking about political engagement, and so we have to talk about online. Yeah. We have to. It's, I'm not, I'm not resentful. Right. I'm not, it's a powerful machine. We use it to connect. We use it to whatever. But when you say, what, do, what does political engagement look like for people? I think sometimes people get incensed. They write a lot of stuff or they do a lot of WhatsApps or whatever. And then they say, okay, why aren't you doing anything? And you're like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. You want to come to a meeting, man? Right. Come to a like, meeting. Talk to me, actually. Don't just, just like, come to uh, a meeting. You know, you want to 706 me. You know, let's convince 15 other people that they agree with your idea and that they want to work together. And we're going to write a letter. We're going to write something meaningful. I think the committee's done great work, you know, since I became chair in doing some policy. We've done some editorials that I think have moved other committees in the county to understand when there have been important issues. You know, I just felt that the potential for dumping nuclear waste into the Hudson River was such a, to like our core you know, just mm -hmm. to say, is it, how is it even possible that right here we would consider, we would, people would even have the gumption <laughs> to mm -hmm. think that they can come right here and just say, I'm going to dump this shit in your river, in your face, um, and have this even have to be a discussion on the New York state level. And then of course, the question is now what's going to happen to that waste? I mean, there are real fights and battles. We need to do better with our waste each one of us needs to analyze our waste in our household, understand the system in the county. Mm -hmm. We need to keep pressuring and doing more work at a village level for that. Anyway, look, you know, I could go on. Why do you say online? Online, I mean, also, you know, I've done a lot of media stuff um, with Latin America. I mean, that's really my mm -hmm. training is in political science in Latin America. And I think it has had a, a palpable difference, I think, in modern elections globally. Um, when you look at the nature of the way people interact and receive information. And I think right. there is a quiet battle that we all have to acknowledge to ourselves to talk about how we use technology, talk about how we get information, talk about how we're exercising our citizenship. Yeah. I mean, speaking of media, my, my guess is that many people in Hastings consume national media like the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and NPR none of which cover Westchester consistently, let alone Greenberg or Hastings. How do people stay informed about our local politics and how should they? Uh, 
Um, I mean, obviously this is a, a sad day and I was just going to say that then, but I realized I was going on too, a little too long there, but the, um, you know, the Rivertown's enterprise is closing is what I hear. Um, oh, wow. I had, I wasn't aware of that. That is very sad. Yeah. So I was kind of going to build up to you there. So ba ba boom on that one. That's a huge loss, um, yes. for our communities. That is a place that we try to communicate. Um, we also have a mailing list that we try to communicate. So anyone who wants news on the Hastings Democratic Committee, which I do not represent any, you know, <laughs> I, I have my own views, but I'm very, very, very proud to also represent as chair, as a fabulous group of people that's doing the hard work of meeting with local political leaders and bravely looking at each other and voting and saying, I want this candidate and someone else saying, I want this candidate and seeing how many people you can get to endorse your candidate and you know, we're going to have a candidates forum for village trustee coming up on February 8th in mm -hmm. the community center. We always send blasts. We don't overwhelm. We work hard, very, very hard um, to try to make sure that people know what's going on. So if you're on our list, you get our information. There's always links and we send out information from candidates. Um, our webpage, www.hastingsdems.org. Um, we've done a lot of work um, to try to be clear there about what the processes are and who's involved and how you can get involved. Our meetings are, we run them open to the public. I don't think any other committee um, blasts their agenda to a mailing list uh, of all that want to be a part of it. Um, we really believe in, you know, if you if you have something that's important, raise your hand and come on down and I'll try to fit you in the agenda, you know, as possible. Normally, it really is, you know, I'm dropping balls like a, like a drunk clown. I'm just trying to get, <laughs> trying to get people to Doing move on. Let's go, let's go, all, yeah. let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. You have three minutes. Come on, let's go, let's go. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll meet six, seven elected representatives in a night. Um, yeah. And that is important work, making them come to the community of Hastings, say what their vision is at the level they work, understanding the tasks and responsibilities of each one of these leaders in their layers um, so that if I have an environmental issue, if I have an issue of social justice, if I have an equity issue, if I want a better, if I want pre-K for our children, if I want working hours for our mothers and fathers with children, if I want people to have the right for health, quality health care, um, you know, how do we make each at each layer of our markets and our society interact efficiently with government that is representing us? Yeah. I mean, something that I'm worried about is that without strong local media, what is the check on political corruption? I feel like a lot of shenanigans could take place here without my becoming aware of it. I'm, I'm not saying that is happened, but I just, you know, how do we prevent that from happening? I, that's outside my pay grade. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the anti-corruption watchdog. I would just I like just yeah. yeah. I don't know. Is local media doing that now? Is what I'd say. I guess. I get you. Know, theoretically, at least there would be an outlet if people were talking about somebody misusing funds, or you know, at the very least, you know, there was a a bond. Your discussion of a bond issue did it align with what the people in that community said they wanted that bond to be used for. I just want to put out there, I have been emailing people from the uh, Rivertown Enterprise to come on the show. If mm -hmm. anybody is losing their job or wants to talk about their experience of working there, please reach out to me at rivertownstories at gmail.com. I would love to talk with you and interview you for this show. The people I've been emailing have not been emailing me back, so just 
putting that out into ether. But, you know, broadly, something I'm concerned about is if it seems like we see few competitive races, not a high level of citizen engagement and few sources of coverage, you know, that could result in poor governance potentially. I don't know if that's the case, but how healthy would you say local politics are in this area? I, I know very much you're fighting the good fight and I'm not trying to put it on you, but what is your sense yeah, of how healthy know. we are and what would make it better? Yeah, I guess I am. A, I'm a bit of a Pollyanna. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you say that and I'm like, what are you, I mean, there's a high level, there's a high, very high, you know, voter turnout in Hastings. Okay. We get to choose our leaders. Yeah, uh, a leader wins an election. A leader won the election. There's no corruption, and I mean, I think the board of elections does a fabulous job. Sure, talk, talk yeah. to our poll workers. Um, mm -hmm. I open up every single poll office here at five thirty in the morning on election day with my children in hand. Mm -hmm. This is this is this is the work. Mm -hmm. This is our democracy, and I can tell you right now that I feel great about our voting boxes, our voting machines. I feel great about our poll workers. We're mm -hmm. good people who believe in our democracy, who when a system doesn't work has a plan B. When plan B doesn't work, they have a plan C. Um, these are good people. This is a good system. People need to stop pointing their hands all the time, pretending like there's some cabal going on. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, go there and then, you know, here when the machine breaks down, what do they do? They, they have a, a system. This is not a, a democracy that is weak. I mean, look at global democracy ind indicators and where we are and understand where we need to keep fighting for it. I agree with you. We need more local press. Mm -hmm. um, I wish people, you know, had taken out more subscriptions with Rivertown Enterprise. I don't know the story of why that failed in particular. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, I am a Pollyanna. I think we all need to keep adapting. And while I point my finger at, you know, the negatives of the online conversation, and it's mainly just, I don't know if it's a warning or it's just a, hey, guys, help me understand it. I don't have this all figured out. I can just point my finger at it and say, um, you know, I know every elected woman in in office receives, you know, death threats, rape threats. I mean, anytime you look at a wow. woman who is holding a seat in office in public, yeah. standing up, making a decision in front of anyone, know what she is receiving, know what she's yeah. getting. So what made you decide to get involved in, in Hasting politics? And, you know, why did you decide to take on this role but not run for office yourself? Love to hear about your story. I mean, look, um, I mean, I am an institutionalist by training, mm -hmm. again. Um, that's my 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 ontological framework. <laughs> uh no, um, you know, I was really, I was, again, I was raised by really moral, righteous people who had a deep love for community. And I'm extremely, extremely blessed for that upbringing. Um, good, good, righteous people. Um, and, and they really just believe that you just have to keep picking away every day, little bit by bit, that there are no heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I also don't look at my elected officials and get particularly frustrated with them ever. Mm -hmm. um, I just look at what are their policies and where they're veering closer to what I believe or further away from what I believe based on the data that I have available to me about what the most effective policy outcome is. I actually try to divorce my emotion from the individual political leaders and take my emotion and place it with love for my system, mm -hmm. which as I have gotten older, 
And as I have studied globally, multiple, multiple democratic systems and done a lot of research and run a lot of data and history, <clears throat> um, you know, I've written about the FX of, of, you know, taxation rates on literacy and literacy on democracy and the relationship between all these variables in the school of political economy. That's how I see this. I see and understand that this is a precious system. I like the representation. This mm -hmm. is deep democracy. Deep democracy wears the closest policy things that are around you. You actually can influence. You can go to a school board meeting. If anyone listening to this podcast says, you know what, I'm feeling charged and I want to yeah. make sure that our kids at Hillside are using the woods and I want to go and dedicate myself and talk to all the leaders and say, how can I help you? What's being done? How can I supercharge that? What do you need? Do you need money? Do mm -hmm. you need more people? Um, do you need, what do you need? Normally it's money, but sometimes just support ideas or connecting the right people. And you say, you know what, we're going to host three parties and we're going to raise this money and we're going to make sure this and we're going to get that and we're going to do it. You know, when we wanted to tear down Sugar Pond Shed, that was one of the first things I got involved in in the village. It was like, here's this decrepit building right by the pond. It's got to go. It's covering graffiti. The roof is sunken in. And so the first thing I did was just pick up the phone and call everyone I knew who was related to anything in the village and just ask them what the story. And then mm -hmm. it took us three, you know, three years. Um, took us three years because there's so much emotional attachment to that building. Why the Democrats for me and where I come from? Um, I work. I have four kids. Um, I'm always hanging on by thread. And um, I really love connecting with other people. And I just love the work of the committee. I love being with my neighbors. Um, mm -hmm. I just love talking with people around me about the things that really matter. Um, I could not serve an elected office right now. Um, I don't have the bandwidth in my life. It's just not enough hours in a day. Um, I have a profession yep. and um, I like my profession quite a bit. And I like my spouse. I like my kids. <laughs> I like my friends. <laughs> um, so being an elected office thing, people don't understand it's just a full on let it rip all the time. And you're fighting with people and it gets really emotional. It gets really charged. It's really tough decisions. Sometimes you're right. Sometimes you're wrong. If you're right, 60% of the time, you're doing good. Um, if you agree with somebody who's in elected office 60% of the time, I'd say go for it. You know, you're not going to agree with them 40% bummer. Unless you want to run for office, then vote for the guy that you yeah. agree with more. That's it. That's all it is. It's not that deep. It's not like yeah. I got to like marry this guy or I've got to be like on his team. You're not <laughs> on his team. I'm not on his team. Next time, if I didn't like what he did for two years, then I vote against him. And the next time he comes and run again, I brought then okay, great. Because you went closer to my preference. You went closer to my political preference. Yeah. When we make this like a, it's a team, it's me against you, it's my identity, it's my ideology, these people frozen forever. When you know So what are the issues that are exciting you right now in our local community or that that you feel passionate about? I just want to make it through this primary season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I want to make it through the primary season. You know, I want everybody to feel um, 
called and invited and participatory in this primary season. You know, I made, I wrote the letter in December asking for people who wanted to run for trustee. I know a lot of people felt unsatisfied. A lot of people felt mad. I called everybody, tried to make sure everybody felt included, knew what the system mm-hmm. was. And if people want to run as Democrats, they came forward. We've got trustee folks interested. We'll bring them. We'll have a meet the candidate. Everyone will meet them. We'll also meet DAs, the committee that same mm-hmm. night. It's going to be a busy night. And then we'll meet and we'll decide who we're going to endorse. And then if people want to still run, um, you know, you don't need the endorsement of the committee to run. We're just 16 people who are organized. Like, just think of us as an amoeba that's organized. So for us, then we're going to collect the petitions of the person we support and help them run their campaign legally, you know, with an account and a paid for all the stuff that make us America, right, Mm -hmm. is following legal election rules. And then whoever wants to run against whoever gets endorsement, they just got to do the same thing. They can just make their own committee register it, collect petitions, get their name on the ballot on the primary in June that's run by the Board of Elections. And that's where you find all this information. And that's what I think is so precious and so awesome and I love so much. So I'm actually not scared about, you know, who's running or the battle of ideas. I'm just glad I celebrate anyone who wants to run as a Democrat. I think the Democratic Party needs to be refreshed. I think the Democratic Party needs to have fresh blood pulsating through its veins at every level. And I'm not even talking about huge radical paradigm policy shifts. Mm-hmm. We just need changes of leaders. Which so is so the what would make that happen? I, I mean, I think you know, there's a feeling that in both parties, frankly, at least at the most senior levels, and I don't know if this is what you're talking about, there's a bit of a gerontocracy. Right. I mean, you know, the candidates are going to be for president, you know, late 70s or early 80s. Right. I mean, you know, Nancy Pelosi was in there until, you know, quite late, you know, Schumer's in his 70s. And it's not any better on the Republican side either, you know, with Mitch McConnell. So what what do you think is needed to bring in that fresh blood and and end the gerontocracy or you know do you think what's happening at the national level isn't really reflected at the local level how how would you think about this challenge listen i don't i do not pretend to be an expert on the inner working of the democratic party at the sure. national level honestly i don't understand it um and i'm saying that to you as like i'm a local democratic i don't know whatever right. you know I don't know what I'm like. I'm the lady who sends the emails to like, we're last minute is trying to pull down the agenda. Ah, what we got here? Oh my God, who we're receiving? Because oh, this person's mad. No, I didn't do this for this person. I'm sorry. I'll do better next time. Let's go for it. Okay. Oh, we're going to iterate. Oh, wait. Was that, you know, what are the rules? What are the standards? How do we follow? How do we make this as transparent as, you know, um, I don't know how the national party functions and that I've watched this process and I've wondered and wished that we had a real primary. I like a good primary. I'm a weird Democrat. I just, (laughs) I like it like that. I like it messy. Come forward with your ideas. Let's have a battle of ideas. You know, I am of that British Oxford Cambridge School of Debate. Stand up on your feet. Give me your ideas in two minutes. I don't want the fluff. Yeah. I don't want it. I'm done. And so is that what you want to see at the local level? Because you you made the comment, you want to see the We do that. We do that. I think we do that very effectively. I think we do that. If you are like online commenting on whatever, nobody, you don't go to the meetings, but you don't see like people stand up on their feet and defend their ideas. You know, all I can say is 
we do that and then we vote. And now we're going to do that in the village and it's going to be awesome. We're going to do the meet the candidates because yeah. the because the League of Women Voters doesn't hold anything after that. After that, everyone's going to be, we'll do our endorsement, but whoever will run, who wants to run, people collect their petitions, they'll submit them and we'll get to vote on them. It's an awesome system. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I mean, does that mean that it's perfect? No, it does not. That there need to be tweaks? Of course it does. That you can run the county better. That when we look at the voting machines and we see who we're buying from and who our distributors are, who are we buying from? What do those contracts look like? Let's open that up. Is there corruption? You know, I'm, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I'm, I know there's corruption. I, I haven't personally witnessed it at any moment. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there is. There's corruption in business. There's corruption in mayor. There's corruption in government. There's corruption mm -hmm. there's gonna be. The main question is, what are the systems? How do they function? I'm more worried about ineptitude and lack of vision. Mm -hmm. You know, in our village, for example, I would love to see all the walkways preserved, all the stairways. Yeah. You know? They're they were built in the 1920s by the workers of this village. And they are these, you know, it's like chutes and ladders. If you've ever seen the incredible map that Adam Hart did of all the trails and pathways, they're just getting flushed out. You know, we need to spend a couple million dollars restoring the pathways. And right. I'm not joking. And also design and protect you know, who takes care of them and what the fiduciary responsibility is and who, you know, is going to repair them. And we, we have let certain things in the village wash away. I think the paths are wonderful between all of the things. And I think the question of, of the, of the woods is incredibly complicated. I mean, I'm heartbroken about the ecological stewardship of the village, the overrunness of the deer. I would immediately have us be very aggressive about deer uh, culling and elimination. I mean, I have, I have very strong views personally yep. about every issue in this village that I, Cassandra, can tell you what I believe, why I believe, and the data I'm using to make that decision. As chair of the village, Democrats, my only concern, my driving concern is to bring forward fellow Democrats so that we can have this open exchange of ideas that I find so precious, so charging, so inspiring just when people yep. come forward and, and debate and share their ideas. Let me take the, the conversation a slightly different direction, which is how does the local Democratic Committee decide when to talk about international events, if ever? And I'm asking this question in light of the fact that local officials are increasingly asked to take positions on international events, like the situation in the Middle East. You know, Some people think that it's obligatory for local officials to take a moral stand on global issues, while Others don't expect their local representatives to have an informed opinion on issues that take place far outside of their jurisdiction. So does this come up for the committee and do you advise local officials on how to handle this? Yeah, I mean, so I guess to give everyone background on this, because I feel like you're kind of talking all loop-de-loop -loop about it. And, you know, who knows who's listening to your podcast? It could be someone in San Francisco. I mean, fair enough. Yes. every political leader in the country faced this issue, as did every institution, yeah. right? And there were so many wonderful stories and yeah. podcasts about this after the absolute, you know, terrorist attack and brutalization mm -hmm. of of families along the border of Gaza and Israel on October 7th, right? Yes. Each political leader had a choice about how they played that out for their particular community. You know, do they just, do they do a Twitter post? You know, I stand with you and whatever. Do they say like, we wish for peace on both sides? Oh, yeah, where do they put the emphasis? What do they say? Right. Our mayor did not release anything for until 10 days. And then after right. which she did so, some things resonated with some people, some pe things resonated with other people, Yeah. right? Um, I don't advise Nikki like on anything that she does, you know, or poli sure. any political leader. I'm, I'm just like, I'm, I'm the person. Or, or I yeah. guess, 
No, what, I'm just saying this because yeah, I think yeah. this is the designation that's really important for people to understand yeah. about, I think it is important to understand, what is the role of political party? Um, to work with elected leaders who want to run for office and battle their ideas out. And we evaluate them every election season when they come back again. So they come before us, they say our ideas, we push them on their ideas, they run, they win, and then we're sort of challenging them along the space. So I think some people in the committee were really not happy with her, and some people were really happy with her. Yeah. Just across, I guess like across the village. The, Do the I, question, yeah. yeah, I'm trying to ask, and, and you're right. I I was very I was indirect there because I'm trying to figure out is there a principle around this, uh -huh. right? Is it you know if you have a lot of Jews in your community, then you should say things that would speak to them. If you had a lot of Muslims, you should say things that speak to them. Or maybe you know I don't expect my mayor to know about the Balfour Declaration and how that set things up for. A century. Of, sure, sure. I, I mean, I just, yeah. I, I'm struggling for myself to think, you know, what is it reasonable to expect, expect and how does one do this? It, it person, seems, I think, yeah, easy each person, yeah. in light of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, because there's no constituency for a Russian invasion, whereas here now we have an issue where people are are deeply divided on where to place the emphasis of, of compassion. Um, and especially, you know, I mean, one thing happened on October 7th, and then there's been the aftermath of that. And and I'm I'm literally trying to figure out what do I think should be expected of local officials. And I was curious if there's some, you know, first principles either that comes out of the Democratic Committee or just that you have on your mind. Again, I I, I can't emphasize how diverse the views are of the members of the committee. Right. I don't know why anyone would ever suggest that there's like some homogeneous view of 16 people. It's like right. get four people in a room together. You can't even get yeah. close to one media, you know. At the committee level, you know, some people thought she should have responded quickly. Some people thought she took appropriate time and was really thoughtful and meaningful. Um, some people think it's just pandering. Um, that politicians do. And they say, why are all these people angry about wanting a statement? It's just a pandering move or whatever. Like, yeah. grow up. What do you need from your person? Like, I say, like, like it's, it's other people feel deeply emotionally abandoned and unsupported and unloved yes. and unrecognized. And each leader has faced that dilemma differently and reached out to different groups based on where they think they stand and whether or not they want to run again and who are supported and all these things. And, you know, Nikki did what Nikki wanted to do. And I think she feels at peace with it. And I think she's reached out to a lot of people. And I think there was a lot of anger that was generated, but then we had an election and nobody ran against her. And we had a person who was running with her who openly declared left, right, and center and wrote a letter saying he wasn't running, having people say that he would accept if he was elected. <laughs> and people saying, would he be doing that if there was a man at the top of the ticket? Is this about gender? Can you imagine a man doing that too? But at the same time, not running openly. And then an election that's not registered publicly. So you have Right. Signs that don't say paid for by, so you're like, is this Putin? Like, is this international propaganda? <laughs> or is this just like some local tiff? Like, what is yeah. going on here? Because that's not how it works. Like, if you want to run for office, you don't have to raise your hand. I don't care. If you don't want to run with the Democratic Party, fine. 
go for it. Run independent. Yeah. You do you. Run Repub, please run Republican. Like you have people on Facebook that people will like like 40, 50 times. Like they have run for office, they've gotten 25 votes or whatever. You know, like right. I'm just throwing that as a case. Like it's just totally different. You know, people say, okay, the write-in candidate, let's say in this case, got 700 votes or something. So I was like, oh my God, the write-in candidate got 700 votes. Like, yes, they got 700 votes. You know, they had 29% of the vote. We now have elections at general election time. So this is our first time ever having an election in November. I don't yeah. know, 25%, 35% of those voted Republican. So you are going to have every single election now from here on, just a no vote of 30%. And maybe a 10% of people just like this time, like didn't write anybody's name in. They're like, I don't know, you know, this yeah. person for trustee. This, you know, it's democracy, it's messy. Every election is gonna be messy. Also, there are people who feel really strongly, really, really underrepresented, and they're going to lose because they're not going to get fifty-one percent of the vote. <laughs> you know, fifty right. because that's all you got to get to be the leader. And so, yeah, I agree. The more open systems are, I think, the more having them at the general election time. I super encourage everyone who wants to run, please run, or please get committed to something and know that it's going to take four or five years to improve it. And to make yeah. it better and not sort of have it be like a flavor of the month for one year, you know, I'm going to be really angry about this issue. You know, just say, I'm going to dedicate the next five years to really building up these things. And I think yeah. the pollinator pathways in the village are beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. I think the Tilly, you know, you go, you exchange stuff. Beautiful. I think the Martin Luther King breakfast we just had. Beautiful. I mean, all around you, you can be angry about a million things but you can also see the hard work that people do in the village. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's just. You know, it's, it's interesting that both you and Mayor Armacost come to local politics by way of international development. I'll confess that I used to work for the U.S. Agency for International Development and my wife at the World Bank. So that's something I, I share with both of you. How is your work on the politics of economic development, specifically innovation systems, technological change, and trade, informed your work in local politics? Well, again, I mean, like that is my professional field, and I, right. I am, I'm hugely passionate about intellectual property rights. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I really am, and I'm, I'm very. Um, as I've become older, I have become more committed to free and open markets. Mm -hmm. Um, and that means not really distorted by anybody, you know, not distorted by, I, I, I believe in open competition. I like generics a lot. You might've seen that I've written a lot about the introduction yeah. of generics markets throughout Latin America. They've played a huge role in access to medicine. We've had a great, you know, diversification of suppliers globally. I think, you know, purchasing patterns are really interesting. You know, I, I like how, how governments, you know, what contracts, you know, because this has a, a, a concrete impact on the way people live, on people's survival. Um, yeah. You know, I myself have a chronic health disease as well. And um, again, it's just, I'm just very lucky to be raised by people of action that I believe that we can improve systems. I refuse to be a, an ideologue and a perfectionist and seek other people's adoration. And, you know, I like data. I like running regressions. I like good models and frameworks. Um, uh, the older I get, I'm just really satisfied with knowing that there's so much I don't know 
And the real bravery is telling people when I don't understand systems and taking the time to connect with other people. Um, you know, for me, that's the thing. So you and I come from the international. Yeah, it's the international is just like the local, you know, some parts of it work, some parts of it don't like do enough consultancies and you're like, oh, my God, this is the U.N.? as you look at democracy in latin america i mean do you see lessons that you apply to what you're doing here i mean sort of just like i asked Absolutely. mary jane shimsky you know, she had a lot of insights from looking at history to how she performed her job and i'm, I'm curious if there are things from working in international development as an institution. I think so. I think here. so yeah i think so i mean I, I i did listen to that podcast with her and it makes me chuckle um, makes me chuckle. I mean, we've all lived these real lives. You know, I worked for three years in Brazil on mm -hmm. human rights policies, um, reporting cases of torture to the UN, rapporteur on torture. And, you know, I mean, I really have lived in some societies where there's not equal justice for everyone and mm -hmm. violence and chaos is really rampant. And it's pretty weird out in the world. And that's just the truth is that yeah. it's, People come to me and they're like, I'm so depressed about climate change. I'm so depressed about whatever. You just say, look, you know, live through World War II. Live through World War I and just grow up. I mean, come on, guys. So my kid is climate depressed. Well, tell your kid to go organize. Go to a meeting. Go work in yeah. the garden. Get off your goddamn cell phone. Go pick up a shovel. You want to feel better? Go pick up a shovel. Go work. Work with other people. Get out yeah. of your bubble. Um, and I try to do that. I try to do that in my work. I try to do that as a mom. I try to do that in the village. You know, I stumble. Yeah, I like that. That's a great thought. You know, I like... stumble and I fall. I stumble and I fall. But let's just, let's give it our best shot. You know, it's all, it's all interacted for me in the sense that, you know, we are yeah. together in this. I could never just actualize myself on the international. And at first that was a disappointment to me. I thought, oh my God, I got to be super focused on mm -hmm. hyper-focused on my research career or on stuff that I did with communications or whatever, whatever. But now I just realized that um, I love the international policy sphere. I, there are a lot of people I work with there and I just adore it. And I also love working with people on a local level. Yeah. And the two are intricately connected for me because, you know, local politics is, is really my heart and soul. It's just, it's what I believe in. It's what, how I believe we live our lives. It's, it's my religion. It's just to live life with love for our neighbors and to work to have good systems of democracy. That's, that is so precious to me. And then my, my international work is, is like, it's, it's more analytical. It's like, what are my skills and tools? What's the value that I can bring to a conversation? You know, what's my writing? <laughs> yeah. How good are my graphics? Whatever idea I'm trying to, you know, relay, you know, ultimately too, it's fun. You're teaching your kids how to write and you're trying to share with them, you know, just the power of the spoken word. Well, those are our beautiful closing thoughts. And just before we end our conversation, are there any other things that you'd like to share with our audience? No, I'm overjoyed to have had this time with you and just, you know, keep on, keep on doing what you're doing. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. All right. Take care. Have a good, good one.
Thank you again to Dr. Cassandra Sweet for joining us on the Rivertown StoryCorps podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Timothy Reuter. If you like this content, please make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform to ensure you don't miss an episode and leave a review to help other people find it. If you have any feedback or guest suggestions, or if you work for the Rivertown Enterprise and would like to be on the podcast especially, please feel free to email us at rivertownstories, all one word at gmail.com. We look forward to having you join us for the next conversation.